0: We're in the gospel, or not the gospel, we're in the book of Ephesians. And um, Paul spends a lot of time talking about what happened when you got saved. Um, chapter 1, he talks about all God did. And um, forgave you, redeemed you, sealed you, adopted you, brought you into his family, made you his own, loved you. Chapter 2, he talks about the idea it was by grace. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to make God more happy with you other than put your faith and trust in him. It is by faith through grace that you're saved. Nothing you can do. Um, Chapter 3 talks about the idea because you're a Christian, you're going to go through everything the world goes through. But you go through it differently. And God allows some of those difficult things so that Christ can be seen in your life, so people can see Christ in you. Chapter 4, Paul talks about the idea that you need to grow as a Christian. God assumes if you're a Christian, you're going to grow. He assumes that you're going to make progress. He assumes that you're not going to stay immature and that you're going to start to mature and that you're going to start to grow up. Just like when we we have children, we expect them to make certain milestones and progressions as they grow. And and, and we look at those and we measure them by those. In the same way, God says, look, there's some things I expect from you. Um, He expects you to grow. And one of the things that he talks about in the book of Ephesians is one of the ways that we mature is we put off a whole bunch of stuff. And we put on the right kind of thing. The world does it this way, we do it this way. And uh, Paul talks about those, and we've been talking about those in chapter four, about lying, and we put on truth, and um, instead of uh, bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and evil speaking, we put on kindness, and, and we put on mercy, and we put on forgiveness. We talked about that last week, about how important it is to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And I know some of you struggle with that, this past week, um, well, you're really going to struggle this week, okay, because many of you are going to be with family, and you're going to get a chance to practice, be kind, be tenderhearted, be forgiving, um, you're, going to get a, you're going to get that put to the test this week, because these people are going to invade your little world. And uh, they're going to push. You know as well as I do. You have family members that know how to push your buttons, and they take great joy in it. And they will do it on Thursday. And uh, you will have an opportunity. So this morning we're going to give you the foundation for kind, tender-hearted, forgiving. Because I don't think if you have what we're, if you don't have what we're talking about this morning, I don't think you can be kind, compassionate, and tender-hearted and forgiving, okay, because I think this is at a foundation of it, and then next week we're going to add another thing to it, but we're now in chapter 5, and I'm going to read the whole passage, we're going to walk through it, and then we're going to do something I don't normally do here, but we're going to try to make this memorable for you this week. So here we go, Ephesians chapter 5, here's what he says: follow God's example, therefore as dear children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So let's walk through the whole thing. Um, follow God's example. Literally, the idea is mimic. Um, you ever watched a child? Uh, actually, I, I see this with teenagers and, and adult, your adult children. Because My adult children do this to me. They mimic you. It's usually not a pleasant thing to watch. <laughs> Um, but they start mimicking you. They start doing the things that you do or saying the things that, that you say, or they start making fun of you that way. They, they imitate. Uh, some versions have imitate. Um, the idea here is the idea of, like you say, he says, mimic God. Who's your example? Um, what he's saying is, we want you to be like God. Be God-like, or let me give you another English equivalent: Godly. If you want to be like God, God-like, Godly, then you're going to have to follow the example that God gave you. Okay, and that's what he says. He says, "Listen, if if, if you're going to grow and if you're going to mature as a Christian." You need to follow God's example. You need to mimic. You need to be godly or godlike or like God in this issue. And in context, he's talking about love. As dear children, um, this word dear, some translations say beloved. Um, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the one person on this planet, or maybe they've gone on to be with the Lord. But I want you to think of one person that you love more than anybody else. You go, well, I just love everybody. Speak, don't lie, okay? Don't lie. There is somebody in your mind that when I say you love them more than anybody else, they came to your mind. I want you to think about that person, okay? They are dear to your heart. Your love for them is minuscule compared to God's love for you. And God loved you when you were his enemy. God loved you unconditionally as far as wanting you to be a part of him. Okay, When he uses the word dear, that's what he's saying. He's saying, you know, you need to think of somebody that you love dearly, and you need to know I love you more than you could ever even think of loving that person. You are dear to my heart. And then he uses the idea of children. Um, There's two ideas here. One idea is the idea of um, a child who was in order to be a child, so to speak, you have to be born. In order to be a child, you have to be born. Okay? So there is that idea. There is the new birth idea associated that you were born in a different way now. Yes, you were born physically here, but you were born spiritually when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So there is that spiritual new birth, so to speak. And then in chapter 1, he's talked about the idea that you were adopted, you were brought into the family of God as his child, with all the rights and privileges that came with being a child of God. So he says, therefore, as dear children, mimic, follow God, be godlike, be godly. As dear children, you are dear and important to the heart of God. You are his child. You have been given a new life. You have been adopted into the family of God as his child. And walk in the way of love. Now I want to just let's take a quick little rabbit trail, and then we'll get back on. This idea of walk is very important in the Book of Ephesians. It's really going to take off in a minute, um, in chapter five. But up until now, this is actually the the, the fifth time walking has mentioned in the Book of Ephesians. Okay, uh, it's actually going to be mentioned seven times total. But um, this is, the, this is the fifth time that it's mentioned. He has talked about in chapter two, he, he talks about this idea of you walk, um, I'm going to get all these right. You used to walk in sin, okay, in chapter, beginning of chapter two. Later in chapter two, he says the idea that you now walk according to good deeds. So you used to walk in sin, now you walk according to good deeds. Um, when you get to chapter four, he talks about walk worthy of your calling. In other words, you, we've talked about this a year, but you need to grow up. You need to mature. And then he talked about, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, not to walk as the Gentiles walk. Now he gets to chapter 5, and he says the first of the walks in chapter 5 is this, walk in love. But he's going to tell us a little bit later to walk as children of light, and we'll talk about that. And then he's going to tell us near the end of chapter 5 to walk circumspectly or carefully. Um, But how we walk, how we mature, how we grow as a Christian is important. And notice um, what he says, walk in the way of love. It's a journey. It's a path. It's a way that you have to learn to walk as a mature Christian as you grow up. This is not something that is natural. Because love is not about me. And we were, as a Gentile, selfish. It was all about us. Now it's about something bigger than us. And so it is going to, so, so you don't, this is not something you naturally, easily do. This is something that over the course of time, you're going to have to learn how to do. And we're going to get really particular here as we continue to address it. But notice what he says. He, he gives you an example. He said, okay, you want to know how to walk in love? Here's how you do it. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. He gives you the model. He says, all right, you want to know how to do it? He said, you do it like Christ did it. Um, Let's talk about what Christ did. It was costly. Your salvation is free, but it came at a great price. God left heaven came to the earth that's a christmas story with one intention to go to the cross that's the easter story it was at great cost you and i we love life we grab life with everything we can if our if our health starts to go south we'll do just about anything to try to get more life but when jesus was born he was born for he was he was not born to live he was born to die He was born to give his life, to go to the cross. That was the whole purpose of it. It was at a great cost. If you're going to love somebody, it's going to cost you. Um, It came at a great great cost to him. It was incredibly focused. His love from day one, it had one purpose, the cross. One purpose was to go to the cross. In fact, he prays. One of the greatest prayers in, in in the New Testament is Jesus praying. He says, "Look, if there's a plan B, I want it. But if Plan A is the only way, then let's go do this thing. But if Plan B, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. But if not, then let's let's. I'm I'm willing. I I, I am focused. I I want the relationship between." People and you restored, and I want sin out of the way, and in order to do that, I'll go to the cross and pay for their sin. it I, He was incredibly focused on it. And not only that, not only was he focused, and not only did it come at a great cost, but there was an active element involved in the cross, in, in, in the cross and the life of Christ. It wasn't just talk. Um. Don't tell your, I mean, tell your spouse you love them, but show them. Tell your kids you love them, but show them. Okay. Well, love has an action element involved in it. God so loved the world that he gave. There was an action involved in it. So if we're going to love like Christ loved, it's going to cost us something. It's going to have to be focused. And the reality of it is. The reality of it is not only is it is it, it got to be focused, but I've got to do something. I have to actively engage in it. Um, and notice what he says as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. That's that idea of cost. So um, two takeaways um, as we as we go today, here's the first thing. You have to learn to love like Christ loved. Now Let's make sure we're really, really clear on this because the world really messes this up for us. The world says that love is, is non-judgmental. So if you try to if you try to say something about someone, they'll say, Oh, you don't love me, you're judging me. Have you heard that? Heard people say that? That's Gentile thinking. You go, no, 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 no. They they keep quoting that verse that they know. They don't know any other verse, but they know the verse that says, Judge not, lest ye be judged. Look at your Bible. The Bible doesn't say, don't judge. The Bible says, be careful how you judge. Because whatever judgment you hold somebody else to is the same judgment God will hold you to. So the idea is not don't judge. The idea is be very, very careful how you judge. You better be judging the same standard that God has when God judges. Okay? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about it it is foolish to not make a judgment call. Let me use a better word. It is foolish to not be discerning. Everybody's like, well, you know, no, no, no. Everything's okay. No, everything is not okay. You, 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 we live in a world where they want to say, well, truth is, you know, truth is relative, and what's true for you may not be true for me. No, there are absolute truths. Here's an absolute truth. In the United States of America, you have to drive on the right side of the road. That is an absolute truth. Now, if you want to look at me and go, well, there's no absolutes. Okay, then you drive on the left side of the road. You see how long it takes before you have hurt somebody or you've hurt yourself. Or you get a police officer pull you over. Which is what I hope for. Why? Because there are certain things. We live in a world all the time of, you know, do I have to absolutely pay my bill? Yes. Or I go to jail. Or they come and take it away, whatever it is I bought. Yeah, you know, we have all kinds of things, you know, absolutes. If you jump off of a, of, a, of a building, there's an absolute truth that you're going down unless you have a parachute or unless you have something to slow you down. You are going to hit the ground. Why? There, there are absolutes. We're, we're lived in this world. It's like, you know, how dare you? How dare you judge me or how dare you say that what I what I'm doing is wrong? Well, you know what? If God says what you're doing is wrong, then what you're doing is wrong. And for me to look at you and say, oh, you know what, that's okay, it's not right. It Proverbs says it this way, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. If I'm genuinely your friend and God says this is wrong, then I genuinely need to share with you this is what God says. You go, well, that's being judgmental. No, that's being Loving. Going to genuinely care about you and what God says that that, that, that that we're going to talk about this because this is important to understand just because I, I I make just because I say this is what God says does not mean that I don't love you just because I'm making a judgment call here does not mean I, that, that I can't show you love and I'm, I'm going to illustrate it here in a second with with Christ the second thing is that we have this idea that in order to love you, I have to accept, I have to accept or condone or excuse your behavior. Okay, where I have to look at and I have to say, you know, it's like, well, you know, how how dare you not accept me as I am? Because you should accept me as I am. Because I, this is the way I am. Well, let me explain this to you. God says, I will accept you as you are, but I don't ever expect you to stay the way you are. God didn't save me so that I could stay the same. God saved me so that I could change and be the person that He intended for me to be. He assumes this idea that I'm going to grow and mature and change. That, Ephesians, that's 1 John. So the idea of 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 of, for instance, for my kids, you know, I mean I look at my kid. Do I love my kids? Yeah, do I I love my kids? Does that mean I condone and accept everything they do? Not in your life. Not in your life. I love my wife. Does that mean I accept and condone everything that she does? No, because she's wrong a lot. You know? I love her, but she can be wrong. Is this making sense here? Okay? Paul says to the people at Ephesus, listen. Yeah, there's a whole other conversation going on over here. Uh, Paul said, yeah. You don't have to be at the table this afternoon. I do, and I know I'm going to get roasted for it. But anyway, all right, here we go. Um, there's like, you, you need to understand, there's like church service, and then there's like the, the critique of where dad was wrong section that happens afterwards. Um, you know, it would be so much easier, pastor, if, if nobody in your family was there. Uh, but anyway, um, anyway here, here's what he says. He says, look, you love like Christ loved. Look at how Jesus loved. And 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 you see a great model for how you love, and and I'm going to put this this you know all this into perspective. When Jesus here's the guideline: when Jesus finds finds someone who is humble, who is hurting, who has been marginalized is the big word today, marginalized by society, who is an outcast, he is incredibly kind, compassionate, forgiving in the way he approaches them. You look at how he approaches the woman at the well. The disciples come along, all judgmental. You don't have anything to do with her. And she's like, whoa, whoa, time out. No, 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 no. She needs to hear what I have to say. And so he's incredibly kind to her. The woman caught in adultery. They actually tried to trick him because she was caught in adultery. That means there were two people involved and they only brought the woman. Because that was the culture. And Jesus... Understanding that they had an ulterior motive here, understanding that she needed kindness and compassion and forgiveness treats her completely differently in showing why. Because she was humble and she was was the outcast. She had been the the people society had pushed away. When Jesus deals with those people, when he deals with lepers who had been pushed away from society, Jesus is incredibly tender and compassionate and loving and accepting and all of that. On the other hand, when Jesus deals with proud people, particularly religiously proud people, he is incredibly direct. And we would say harsh. I mean, when you look at somebody and say, hey, look, you know what? You know what you're really like? You're like a tombstone that if we could dig it up, it's full of rotten bones. Inside your heart is rotten. He goes into the temple where they it over and flips over tables and says, You have made my father's house a, a place of a bunch of thieves. So there are times that in his love, he is incredibly direct. And he doesn't beat around the bush. And there are times that he's incredibly tender-hearted in his approach to truth, always speaking the truth of love. But that's how he handles it. With his disciples, you see this great blend. There are times that he is very, very direct with his disciples. He looks at Peter and says, "You're acting like Satan. Get behind me." And there are other times he comes to him and goes, "Look, guys, where's your faith on this? Don't you guys understand this?" And he pulls them aside and he comforts them. When he gets ready to leave, he pulls them aside and he goes, "Let me tell you something, guys. I got to leave, but God's—I'm going to make sure there's somebody here to comfort you. The Holy Spirit's going to be a part of your life from this point on." You find this incredible balance of. Of, of the way that he handles love and depending on the situation. And we need to do the same. And there are some people that, in, in and honestly, you need, to, you need to be very direct with. And you need to say, this is wrong. And the reality of it is, you know better. And there are other people who oh, you need to come alongside and you need to love and you need to show them compassion and kindness and tenderness. Because they're very receptive to what God has for them. It's just in the way you and I present it. And, and sometimes there's just a it needed a balance of that. Second idea is this. Um, I think we've messed up this idea of love. And when you look at the way Christ loved, it was a selfless love. By that, here's what I mean. He doesn't gain anything. We gain it all. Here's what I think is true for most of us. We love with an agenda. We love in order to get something out of it for us. For instance, you know, I talked about family um and, and, and the dynamics that happen sometimes with thanksgiving there are some of you that you're like okay pastor you know what you're right so you know what here's what i'm going to do i'm going to love my family on thanksgiving if i have to because the bible said to do it but here's the reality of it you know why you're really doing it you're really doing it because if you do that you'll get rally points with your spouse so let me go to the in-law thing. That's always the big rub a lot of times. So in other words, let's say that I don't get along with my, with my, my in-law family. Okay? Um, and, and I think I do, but I don't know. Um, and some I have a harder time with than others. But okay, so, and let's say we were going to spend Thanksgiving together. Okay? Um, and I could go, you know what, here's the deal. If I'm nice to them, then that'll make my wife happy. And then if my wife's happy, she will be far, it'll be a better Thanksgiving for her. And I can just, you know, put on my big boy pants and do it because that will make things better at home. I get something out of it. Genuine love is selfless. You don't get anything out of it. Now, I don't usually do this, but I want to do this this morning because when I find something that communicates something effectively, I'm going to steal it and use it, okay? Um, This is something that was floating around on the Internet. It's by a group called Vertical Church. Um, And this pastor did something amazing, which I think illustrates this so well. It's about seven minutes long, so that's why I don't do a lot of this stuff. But I want you to watch it. And then I want to talk about it for a little bit. In, in this issue, he deals with the issue of homelessness, okay? That's, that's the specific thing that he addresses in this, and, and I think that's an issue, and, and we'll talk just a little bit about that, but I want you to see the bigger picture of learning to love without getting anything in and of it for ourselves. So, Nick, how about hitting those lights, and start the clip, and then let's hit the lights so it's a little easier for everybody to see, and then I'll, uh, I'll talk about the end of it.
1: closer the person is to us and the less common the struggle the easier it is to love god forbid i find out my wife has 3 months to live i quit my job i quit everything right what if it's just an acquaintance of yours and what if the problems recurring the more common and further from us How common is homelessness? And how frequently is the homeless person someone dear to us personally? Never. So I took a few moments a couple of weeks ago and camped outside of a couple of our campuses and I wanted to see how we were doing, you know, when it's hardest to love. Do you know that your Father in heaven is giving the same graces to the person that's hardest for you to love? He's giving it he's giving he doesn't play favorites he's giving the grace to everyone and if we're gonna love like our father in heaven loves we don't get to play favorites by favorites i mean so often we love the people where there's some benefit in it for us right okay 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 fine i'll call my brother when i get home i haven't talked to him for two years but i'll call him really will you will you because that's gonna work out pretty good for you right Now everything's going to be good with your brother, your mom will get off your back and your sister's not going to think you're a jerk anymore. And, and I mean, this is, but see, that's not what I'm talking about. Yes, do that. But not just that. Where it's not your favorite, where there's nothing in it for you, where it's not an upgrade to your portfolio of awesomeness. So how did our church do in the video? I'm going to tell you now. awesome. I I was crying inside that beard. I cannot believe the people in this church. The number of people that prayed with me and brought me food, just watch and see. that you're bringing us something to eat this morning. Here's a coffee. A coffee to keep you warm. Let's just pray for you real quick. Dear mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, so thank the Lord that you brought this man to your church on your day. Lord, we are so blessed that mm-hmm. he is here. Lord, we just pray for him to this man mm-hmm. and just bless him and love. God bless you. Mm-hmm. Well, God, I just pray that you would just meet this man and Father, that if it would be your will, that you would just have... A Him come into our church, but you just know the love of Christ. I don't want you to be out here without knowing him, okay? You're welcome to come inside. We'd love to have you. You can come in. (laughs) You want? That's all. Bye. How you doing tonight? Doing okay? Would you like to come in and have church with us and sit with us for church? Is there any
0: other
1: people like, who pray for you? Or is there... I got some water for you. And uh, something more valuable. It's the word of God here. And God bless you. Is there
0: anything I have to be praying for for you, sir?
1: Can I pray for you? Uh, Thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you for this beautiful day, and thank you for my friend here. I just pray that you be with him today. Uh, Give him everything he needs. Provide for him. God, you are our provider You love us, you care for us, and you love this man right here.
0: I think that says it best, better than I ever could. Um, One of the things that's important to us is that we are a church that loves. Not for what we get, but because we have the opportunity to give. Um, Homelessness is a real issue. We have two organizations in Sioux City that do that, the Gospel Mission. Um, which we as a church support financially. Um, We have people in this church that um, are burdened for the warming shelter. Um, The main difference between the two is that the gospel mission deals with the spiritual side of their life and some of the more long-term issues than uh, the warming shelter, which deals with some of the more temporary issues, Um, but nonetheless tries to help people that Need to see the love of Christ. Um, If you are interested in helping, um, we can get you in contact with people. If you want to drop stuff off at the warming shelter, Deb Nelson works right down right there at the corner. She's more than willing to to have you give her stuff that she can take. Um, There are needs. There are needs. Um, As a church, one of the things that's very, very important to us is that this is known as a loving place. I love hearing comments from people who visit. And one of the things that I have heard consistently for 28 years is a place where we are loved, where we're accepted, um, and we feel that. And we don't ever want that to change unless we just do more of it, okay? Um, If you know me or if you've been around me any length of time, you know that... um, and I don't know why. I've tried to figure it out. I don't know why. Um, special needs kids, adults, have a very special place in my heart. It, it's never touched by family um, or the relative or anything. But there's just something about special needs people that, that it just, there's just something. And as I've tried to think about it over the years, here's, here's, some of, here's, one, of the, here's one of my observations. They are incredibly accepting and loving. They don't have the filters that most people have. And they have this view and outlook on life of um, optimism or love and acceptance. And the more I get to be around special needs kids and their families and stuff like that, the more I kind of step away and wonder we're really the ones that are disadvantaged. Because we could use a whole lot more of their outlook on life. Instead of learning all those filters that we put up to keep people away, to really drop the guard and do, the thing that oppressed me on this video, the thing that that touched my heart more than anything else, and this is, I'm looking at big picture, not little picture, Do you know what those parents were teaching those children as they would walk up with their kids or they would hand their kids money? That goes so much farther than those parents have any imagination of. I think the observation that I hear is that as a church, we tend to be very loving and I want to make sure we continue that I don't think you can be kind tender-hearted and forgiving if you don't have a foundation of love and I understand that some of you were brought up in homes in which this is all foreign you were not shown love you were not shown compassion or kindness and so for you, you, it is a big journey because you really are having to start from scratch. Now, for some of you, you were brought up in homes with love and people who encouraged you and helped you and guided you and protect you, and you have a great responsibility to continue that kind of heritage. But all of us have an obligation. If we're going to grow like God intends us to grow, to learn to walk our journey in life, being a people who love. And at times it might mean that I have to confront. At times it might mean that I have to accept. But for those who are marginalized or pushed off to the side, I think it's a great test of our love. When we reach out to them. I want to challenge you to find a way to love this week. Um, be creative. Be creative. Um, we've talked about this as a family. We did this a couple of years ago, and we're going to do it again this year. We're doing it again this year. Um, um, we actually have already talked about it a little bit. But um, Black Friday for us is a, it's a big family deal. I, you go, you guys are insane. I know we're insane, okay? I know we're crazy, but it's fun. We have, a, we have a great time on Black Friday. A couple of years ago, what we did was we just put a little note in, and we put together bags of treats and candy, and my kids worked enough Black Fridays growing up at Best Buy over the years and to, to know how long a day that can be sometimes and how uh, mean and nasty some people can get. So we put together a little court Ziploc bag, and we fill it full of candy and stuff like that, put a little note on it. And every time we would check out, we would hand it to a cashier. And we'd talk to him. We'd say, look, I know you've got to work today, and it, it's kind of a bummer. But you need to know, some of us really appreciate it. And we were amazed. This week I was talking to a gal at Menards and I was chucking out and I was asking her, I said, you know, I always ask him, you know, when, when did you start? You know, when's your shift going to be over? You know, what kind of day has it been? And I try to break up their monotony a little bit. And I was talking to a gal at Menards on Friday and, and uh, I said, well, let me ask something. I said, do you have to work Black Friday? And she goes, oh, yes. And I went, well, you know, I said, I, I know it's hard, but people like me really enjoy Black Friday. And I said, you know, I said we actually have little treat bags to give to cashiers who check us out, and her eyes lit up. And I'm like, you know, sorry, but Menards isn't on my list for Friday. Um, but, you know, um, not yet, at least. Um, but you know, it, it was just well, it was just an opportunity. And I started thinking about it. And I thought, you know what? Maybe, 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 maybe I need to keep a couple of those bags in my car year round when I check out at Walmart or. Sam or wherever I go through quick checkout of Sam, but I mean I check myself. I would get a bag of candy. That's an awesome <laughs> idea. I get love and get, get for me. You know that whole defeats the whole love. You're, you're selfless. Okay, um, that's not the way it works. But I want to challenge you this week. When you get nothing to gain from it, walk in love. Walk in love. Let God. Use you. And you go, I don't know how hard that is for me. Okay, I'm not asking you to make a huge step. Just take baby step this week. Just a baby step. Try one thing. And let God use it in your life. To mimic God in the way that he loved us. So I close with this. This week, you'll have numerous opportunities to love others. You can focus on your rights and your comfort. Or you can step out of the box and serve others. You can choose to view life from the eyes of others or you can focus this week on your needs. We are called to mimic God. God wants us to walk in love so that people will see God's love in our actions. Walk in love this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, it's easy this week, it's easy every week to make it about us. Lord, so often we've got so many things on our checklist. But Lord, we run through the day without even acknowledging or realizing all of the people around us that we have an opportunity to love. So this week, Lord, use us. Lord, may we continue to love as you have loved us, so that a world can see you in us. These things we ask in your name. Amen.